To the town of our free road a stranger one fine day Hardly spoke to folks around him, didn't have too much to say No one dared to ask his business, no one dared to make a slip The stranger there among them had a big iron on his hip Big iron on his hip Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Livia Snudden. And I'm Rob Olson. Donald Ray Pollock grew up in Nakamstiff, Ohio, and quit high school at 17 to work in a meatpacking plant. He then spent 32 years employed as a laborer at a paper mill in Ohio before enrolling in the MFA program at Ohio State University. His first book, a collection of short stories called Nakamstiff, won the 2009 Penn Robert Bingham Fellowship. Donald was nice enough to join us today on Booked. Don, thanks so much for taking the time to come on and talk to Booked today. Hey, you're welcome. Okay, so we uh, recently reviewed Devil All the Time, and when we have authors on, we like to give them a chance to uh, to talk about their work in their own words. So do you mind telling us really quickly what Devil All the Time is about uh, from your perspective? Well, I guess if I had to uh, label the book, and I hope I'm not sounding too highfalutin here, but I would say it's like sort of a cross between literary fiction and some sort of crime fiction or thriller or whatever you want to call it. But the book basically tells there's three storylines. Um, one involves a, uh, a boy growing up and knock him stiff and then his parents die and he uh, moves away. Uh, another one involves um, a pair of serial killers, husband and wife team. And then there's, well, actually, there's probably about three and a half uh, threads going through the book because we also have a, a couple of um, fairly weird and strange preachers who are traveling around. And then there's a, a lawman, a sheriff. And so these storylines pretty much proceed from the end of World War II until the mid-60s. And probably for me, the hardest thing was figuring out how to tell these different stories and have everybody sort of collide in the end. So, you know, that's, you know, just a really short rundown of, you know, what the book's like. We speculated a little bit on our review episode that some of these stories, if not necessarily autobiographical, might be based on some true stories, if not the, the main threads, at least some of the kind of vignettes that we saw. Were we kind of close in our guess? I guess probably. I mean, there are certain things that, you know, have, have come out of things that I either experienced or heard about or, you know, saw, you know, years ago. One of them, for example, would be there's a uh, place in the book where the two preachers end up in a Florida jail, and the other inmates uh, are talking about, well, and actually there's a man shows up who's jailed called the Zit Eater, and <laughs> years and years and years ago, <laughs> uh, I was in a jail in Florida, and there was uh, talk of this guy called the Zit Eater. Um, so that sort of thing, you know. I mean, it's not really like, you know, that's probably one of the most 
autobiographical elements in the book. <laughs> wow, that's just great. I have to tell you that um, that's definitely not the one that I was thinking that you would say was <laughs> based in truth. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> yeah, my life is, you know, it's I, I've come a long way since those days. So, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that you know, I mean, there was something like that. I mean, you just can't let go of it. I mean, it's. You know, it's going to end up, if you're a writer, it's going to end up in your fiction somewhere. <laughs> For sure. Um, so a lot of, a lot of the stories in Knock 'em Stiff and, and I guess the devil all the time is based in around that area as well. So what, what, what would you say the reaction is that you've gotten from people in that area about the stories that you've written kind of based there? Well, besides getting, uh, a lot of support, you know, a lot of people around here have bought both my books. Um, I guess, you know, one of the big reactions I get is people will say, hey, you know, I know somebody just like that, you know, or I bet I can tell you who you base that, <laughs> you know, character on, that sort of thing. And, and sometimes they might know a little bit about what they're talking about. And then other times it's like, you know, that person was the, the farthest thing from my mind when I was writing that story. Um, so, you know, I mean, for the most part though, you know, everybody around here has been very positive. Um, you know, there have been a couple people who, got a little ticked off about the way that I portrayed Knock'em Stiff, and, you know, because I did deal mostly with, uh, you know, negative elements. Uh, there, there's not a lot of positive stuff in the book. So, um, you know, some people, I suppose, were offended by that. How did you um, come to the decision to kind of very loosely link the stories and knock them stiff? That was one of my favorite parts when I picked that up was to see that kind of very loose thread running through there. You know, I think that um, once I decided on, you know, what sort of people I was going to write about and that sort of thing, I then had written maybe, oh, I don't know, six or seven or eight of the stories before I got to grad school at OSU and people were talking about link story collections up there in a class that I took and it was a that time I decided that yeah it, if I'm going to have a book that's what I need to do I need to link all these together so I went back over some of the the older stories and you know tweaked them and you know, sort of fix them so that they all sort of, you know, so that everything sort of connected in, you know, certain ways, at least geographically and that sort of thing, and having some of the characters reappear. But uh, it wasn't like I decided right from the get-go that I was going to do that. It, um, you know, I would probably, like I said, probably written nearly half the stories when I decided to uh, link them. <clears throat> Yeah, I, um, I'm not a huge fan of anthology, typically speaking, but that was one of the things that I really liked about it when I read was that it kind of had more of a novelish feel to it, even though it was a collection of short stories because of those threads. So it was something that I thought was it was the first book I'd ever read that 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 had happened in, in an anthology where it had not just 
you know, it wasn't just the commonplace was a location, but there was kind of a looser thread running through with the characters. So I thought that was just fantastic. Yeah. Um, I know. And I don't read the Amazon reviews anymore, <laughs> um, of my stuff because it's just too, you know, uh, I just can't do it. But somebody was telling me the other day that someone had posted a review of Knock'em Stiff on Amazon saying that it was the, one of the worst novels they had ever read. And, you know, because it just didn't seem to, you know, it wasn't, you know, put together very well. And it was, you know, it's one of those things where you really would like to be able to tell that person, hey, it's not a novel, you know, it's yeah. just a collection of short stories. But Talk about somebody that totally missed the point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so one of the things that we noticed is that, uh, at least with um, your published works, they happened a little bit later in life than your average writer. So uh, how did you get started writing, or what was your desire? How did that come about to start writing? Well, I, I've told this story several times, but really what happened with me was, you know, when I was in my early 30s, I straightened my life up, I got sober, and I ended up, uh, you know, I was working at the paper mill, I, I got a degree from Ohio University, I went part-time, got an English degree, and then I, you know, really didn't do anything with that. I kept working at the mill. And then when I was 45, my dad retired from the paper mill. And there was just something about that hit me, you know, in, in a way that, well, I, I really can't describe it in any other way than it was sort of brought on a, you know, what they call a midlife crisis or whatever, you know, I, I hate to call it that, but that's pretty much what it was. I was, you know, at least I was midlife. So, you know, my dad went home and he pretty much, you know, for quite a while, I just sat around on the couch and watched TV. And I, I just thought, I don't want to end up doing that. So I started thinking about, well, what could I do, you know, besides work in the mill? That's really all I knew. You know, I'd always loved to read, and probably in the back of my mind, you know, I'd carried on this fantasy about being a writer at certain times in my life. And I told my wife that's what I was going to try to, you know, I was going to try to learn how to write short stories. So, you know, that's pretty much how I got my start. Uh, I didn't know any other writers or anything like that, so it was pretty tough in the beginning, you know, even trying to figure out how to begin but uh so now um you know i i did that for five years and then i went to grad school and you know that's pretty much it um like you said you didn't really know any other writers when you got started out so yeah i guess and this is something that other writers would probably be be happy to hear about you know aspiring writers who at their beginning what did you do to make connections with people or or learn more about uh uh you know the writing process to get you where you are now well for about the first probably two years i just you know i, I would come home and what you know i've read you know interviews with other writers and stuff like that and and I read this interview, and I can't remember, you know, who it was with. I'm pretty sure it was a uh, a woman writer, and she talked about uh, when she was, you know, trying to learn how to 
put together even a short story, she would type out somebody's work, and it just brought her closer to the page and, you know, closer to seeing how they actually did, you know, fit these things together. So I did that for at least a year and a half. You know, I, t I would type out a story every week and carry it around with me at work and look at it, make notes on it and stuff like that. And then I would come home, and when I started, I was trying to write these stories, you know, like I'd read a, oh, a John Cheever story and then try to write about some East Coast, you know, suburbanite or something. But after about a year and a half or two years of doing that, you know, I wasn't getting anywhere, really. And then... I wrote a story called Back Teen, which was, uh, you know, just about these two losers going into a donut shop. And, and I felt that it was the first thing that I'd done that seemed to be any good. And that's, you know, when I decided, okay, you know, I've just got to write about, uh, the people that I know about, you know, not, you know, lawyers or, you know, um, Catholic priest or anything like that. I just got to mm -hmm. stick with uh, my people. And then as far as, you know, making any connections, uh, I, I think with Back Team was the first story that I sent out, and I was fortunate enough to get it published in a, you know, very small magazine that OSU puts out, Ohio State puts out, called The Journal. And then slowly, you know, I began to make some connections. Um uh, you know, I started writing to other writers and stuff like that. And, but for a, you know, it, it took a long time for me. Well, you know, I, I just didn't want to like push myself before I even knew what the hell I was doing, you know? So, so I don't know, you know, I mean, now it's a lot easier. I mean, at the time, you know, I didn't have internet. I was working on a typewriter. So it was a little tougher, you know, it's a lot easier now, you know, with Facebook and, you know, email and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, but it slowly, you know, it, it just, you know, things started coming together. Something we've started doing uh, recently during our author interviews is uh, asking some of our listeners for questions they'd like to ask. So uh, the first one is from listener Chester Payne, who says, Donald, I once read an interview in which you discussed the importance of reading, particularly for writers. I was wondering what a few of your favorite books are. Uh, boy, <laughs> that's always a hard question. <laughs> as far as, uh, novels, you know, right now, I guess, um, there's the, uh, the British novel, The Remains of the Day by, and I can't pronounce his name, but it's the, you know, Japanese writer. That's definitely one of my favorite all time books. I'm reading a lot of, Nonfiction, or I have been the last, you know, probably the last year and a half or so. And, um, so, you know, my head's sort of filled with this stuff. And a lot of it's about World War One and rise and fall of the Roman Empire and stuff like that, which are just a couple things that I'm very interested in now. Gee, I, I'd have to say, you know, just Flannery O'Connor's collected short stories. That's one. Uh, Joe by Larry Brown's another one. The Easter Parade by Richard Yates. You know, there's just uh, uh, Jesus' Son by Dennis Johnson. Uh, so there's, you know, there's a 
uh, couple anyway. Um, it's always a, <laughs> a little trick to when we author, we interview authors is that I always let Livius ask those loaded questions because uh, they're the ones that people like answering the very least. That's good. We have uh, another listener question from Stephen Graham Jones, and I'm going to, this is word for word, his question, because it's a little complicated. So this is in, just imagine the voice of Stephen Graham Jones. Some of the cars your characters drive, especially in Knock'em Stiff, I want those cars. Do you also want those cars? I ask because writing about cars you don't have, but want is one of the best reasons for writing, I think. Maybe the only reason. (laughs) Well, I think I've had all those cars in the past. Or most of them, you know. And my, my dad is a big car nut. And so even though we weren't, I mean, we weren't poor or anything like that. We, we were, you know, probably lower middle class. But by the time I was 15, you know, my dad was buying me cars. And, you know, even today, and he's 81 years old, he's still like, you know, cars are just such a big, big part of his life. Now, they're not so much mine you know i mean i really don't care what i drive as long as it gets me there you know but my dad's always collected antique automobiles and you know so i was always around well and two you know living in knock'em stiff when you became a teenager you know that was the big thing was getting a set of wheels and so you know, I mean, you know, my buddies, you know, got muscle cars and, you know, stuff like that. And so, you know, I was always around those types of vehicles. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's the only reason to uh, <laughs> write. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I can see, you know, I, I can see and I do know people who are, you know, cars are, you know, just a huge part of their lives. I have to say that it's probably nice to have that influence in your life of someone who is that passionate about cars and stuff. Cause I mean, it reads well in your book. So it's a nice thing to draw from for, for inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. So Don, we talked a little bit, how you had said you were writing on a typewriter at one point. Um, now given that it's a uh, 2011, what writing rituals do you have? Do you write at a certain time of day or just when inspiration strikes, how do you write? Well, I try to always have some sort of a, I live a pretty scheduled life. I mean, at least that's what I attempt to do. And so, you know, I'm either going to work early in the morning or late at night, one of the two, you know. So I might go early in the morning, uh, and what I'm talking about is from, like, say, 6 to 10 or 6 to 11, maybe for several months, and then I'll get burned out on that and I'll switch to nights, which seems to be, I'm a little more creative, I think, at night. Uh, But I just don't like to, you know, I don't like that, keep that sort of schedule for very long. I I wouldn't want to do it, you know, all the time. So I'll then go to evenings and I'll work for maybe uh, 8 o'clock till 1 in the morning or 2 in the morning, something like that. That's pretty much it. I mean, then I try to read, and I'm not really good at it as far as, you know, reading a lot. So, you know, I'll make sure I read at least one book a week. Uh, you know, I strive for two, but sometimes I don't get that done. And other than that, you know, I just 
try to get a little bit of exercise and uh, do stuff around the house here, and that's pretty much it. All right. Wow. Um, wow. You try to read two books a week. That's uh, I thought I, I, I was impressed with my own reading schedule, but that, that would just blow me away. Well, <laughs> you know, and I know that, you know, for me, uh, I'm a slow reader, so it, it takes me a while to read two books a week. But, uh, but I, I, you know, I just think that it's important to, you know, if you're going to be a writer, you know, I, I think you need to read as much as you can. So I, you know, I do aim for that anyway. You know, I'm no Kyle Miner, though. I mean, Kyle can probably read, uh, I don't know if you know Kyle or not, but my God, the guy, he can probably read five or six or seven books a week. And, uh, I can't do that. <laughs> wow. So we noticed on your website that you've been doing, uh, it looks like over the past year or so, a fairly regular reading schedule. Um, do you, uh, of actually reading events and stuff like that, how do you feel about doing readings? Is it something you like? I don't mind doing the reading. At all. I mean, that doesn't really, you know, at first it terrified me and now I'm pretty much used to it and, um, yeah, at least used to it enough to where I can enjoy it a little bit. Uh, but I don't like, I'm not a, a big traveler. I don't know. Maybe it's my, you know, being 56 years old, I sort of like to hang around at the house and, um, and I'm not a good traveler. I, don't sleep real well, and I really don't sleep very good when I'm, you know, in a strange place. So, you know, as far as the readings go, the traveling's a big drawback for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but it's, you know, it's something that, you know, I've got to do. So I guess I consider myself fortunate that people even want me to come somewhere and read. So, uh, you know, I'll make myself do it. And I guess my only impression is the uh, the reading that you did for the Frank Bill release, but it seems like at least in that case there was a, a nice social aspect to it. You know, you're getting a lot, you're getting into a place with some of the people that you know you write uh, um, that are other writers that you're you know friends with or that you like their work. So I, I guess is that typically not the case because that seemed like a really really fun time. But if if it's just I guess you're on your own doing a thing, it's probably not as enjoyable well yeah i mean that was a little bit different because um i I guess when i'm when i'm talking about traveling i'm talking about flying Mm -hmm. somewhere and uh you know i mean even though i'm not like afraid of flying or anything i don't like airports and you know all that stuff i mean it's just such a hassle anymore but with frank's deal you know my wife and i just got in the car and we drove about you know, I don't know, four or five hours to get there. And, you know, it was just a nice event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that was, that was definitely different. And and I always do travel better when I've got my wife with me for some <laughs> strange reason. So, yeah, that wasn't like, um, you know, I mean, the, the night was really, you know, it was about Frank and, you know, he was uh, uh, the one, you know, everybody was there really to see. And so there wasn't any, um, you know, there wasn't any pressure or anything like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a really nice event. 
Yeah, it was. It was really a terrific collection of uh, of writers. I mean, it was our first. Um, it was our first reading we'd ever been to, and quite the enjoyable event. So uh, you guys did a good job in setting us up to want to go to more of those. <laughs> yeah. Um, we saw something about you participating in some coverage of the 2008 election for the New York Times. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, well, I, you know, I just got lucky and they uh, called me up and asked me if I'd want to do these, you know, I think they called them postcards. And they were, you know, they were like every, I think every, I don't know, six weeks or two months through that year. And they only had to be you know, 600 words or something like that. So, you know, I'm, I'm not a big, uh, uh, political, you know, person or anything like that, but, you know, I, I found them fairly easy to do because, you know, I asked them if I could just go out and talk to people and then write about it. So, you know, that was pretty much what I did. And, and it, you know, it turned out, you know, I think pretty good. I, um, I, I try not to pay too much attention to politics because I get so pissed off <laughs> uh, and angry and just, you know, frustrated with the whole, you know, especially now. I mean, it's just become, uh, it, it's such a circus. So I don't think I'd want to do that all the time. But, you know, for me at, at that point, you know, in my, you know, whatever you want to call it, my career or whatever, it, it was a really good thing. I mean, and I... You know, most of my stuff is tends to be short, so it was a good fit. So was that just presidential election coverage, and was it because Ohio is one of the big states that um, yeah. that they asked you? Yeah, that was pretty much it. Now, and what they do is, uh, and they've done that since, you know, since I did those. I think they did them in 2010, is, is they had about four different writers, you know, different parts of the country. Uh, and presenting these things, and they would all be, you know, we'd all be on the same page together. And it was just, uh, you know, trying to let people know a little bit of, um, you know, the atmosphere of, you know, say like, you know, my part of the country, southern Ohio, what people were thinking at, at that time uh, going up into the election. I don't know if it's if, if you guys find it kind of amusing that they ask a fiction writer to cover the, the election. That's kind of <laughs> yeah. that, that 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 speaks a little bit to me. So. Right, right. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, and we were all fiction writers. Uh, so, so switching gears a little bit, what current writers uh, would you say that you're most looking forward to right now? Well, there's a book of short stories called. The Darkness Right Under Our Feet, I believe is the name of it, by a guy named Patrick Michael Finn. And it was published earlier this year. Oh, gee, I can't. Black Lawrence Press, I believe, is the one that uh, came out with it. And it's, you know, Black Lawrence is just a really small press, but it's a fantastic book of stories. And they're all set in this neighborhood um, in Joliet, Illinois you know, a working-class neighborhood. And that's, you know, I think Patrick Michael Finn is a, just a fantastic writer. I just wrote a blurb for a book of stories by a woman named Claire Vay Watkins, and the book's called Battleborn. 
and all the stories are set in Nevada, mostly small town Nevada, you know, out in the desert. And um, that's another great book. Gee, I don't know. I I haven't read Matthew McBride's book yet, but after that, hearing him at that reading at Frank Bills, um, you know, uh, <laughs> book launch, I, I that's an, another guy that I want to read. Sometime that story that he read was so funny, and uh, so I'm I'm interested in reading that. Right off the top of my head, I guess that's you know, I, I mean, there's a lot of, of well, okay, let me see. There's a, another writer, a guy coming out with a novel. His name's Wiley Cash, and he teaches over in West Virginia. And I can't recall the name of the book right now, but I think it comes out maybe early in the spring. Um, so, you know, that's another one. Um, there's a, you know, man, there's a lot of books, you know, coming out. and that are all, and, you know, a lot of them are really good books. So, you know, and it's kind of weird because, you know, they say that people aren't reading as much anymore, but, you know, we keep coming out with this, these really fantastic books. By people. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned Matthew McBride because, uh, I mean, not only did Livius and I both just love um, hearing him at that reading, but uh, going back a little bit, we interviewed Anthony Neil Smith a couple months ago. And we asked him the same question we just asked you. And two of the names that came up as his answers were Frank Bill and Matthew McBride. So these guys definitely have uh, <laughs> a lot of good names behind them, backing them. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, you know, and, and Frank, you know, he's got this book of stories now, which, which is a great book. But he's also, you know, I've read um, the novel that will be coming out, I believe, you know, probably next fall called Donnybrook, and uh, it's a fantastic uh, book. I mean, it just takes off like a rocket ship and just doesn't <laughs> let up. You know, it's just one of those kind of uh, crime thriller, whatever you want to call it, uh, novels. You told us a little bit about what you did when you um, started writing. Is there any advice you can give aspiring writers now that you've kind of honed your writing chops? Well, the advice that I would give is, is pretty much what they're going to hear, you know, wherever they go. You know, you have to learn to sit in, at the desk, uh, regardless, uh, you know, of if anything's going on or not. You know, I, I've sat at the desk for hours and hours and never got a single sentence, you know, but you still have to do that. You got to learn to do that because, um, you know, if you're not sitting there at the desk, you know, when the uh, inspiration comes, well, it's lost anyway. And, and I believe that's the hardest thing for a writer, you know, is learning to sit there. And, you know, if nothing else, just be quiet and um, stare at the screen or <laughs> out the window. And then the other thing is um, you just read as much as you can. Um and, and I think really, you know, you know, I mean, a lot of people go to MFA programs, and, and I had a great time and learned a lot at the, you know, Ohio State when I went to the MFA program there. But really what it all boils down to is reading and writing. And, um, you know, so I, I think that, 
you know, it, it, that's pretty much it. So can you tell us a little bit about what you're currently working on? Well, I don't want to get too much into it. I, I can tell you this. It's, um, it's still, we're still set around, you know, Southern Ohio, mostly in the town that I live in now, which, you know, in my fiction, I call it Mead. But the book will be, um, you know, the time period is 1918. Hmm. And um, other than that, I, I really don't want to get too much into it. You know, I'm, I'm going back in time even more than I did with my other stuff. So it's not really going to be a historical novel, but, you know, it is going to be set in a, um, you know, right around 100 years ago. Is there anything else you'd like to mention before we wrap this up? I really can't think of anything except, you know, I appreciate your interest and support man i mean you know it's um you know i i commend you guys on you know taking the time to do stuff like this um you know it, it means a lot oh thanks we have fun doing it for sure <laughs> absolutely well don thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today and coming on and uh and uh spending some time with us all right hey thanks a lot for having me yeah thanks once again to don for coming on the show what an interesting guy yeah, for sure. You can find out more about Donald Ray Pollock at DonaldRayPollock.com. And you can find us online on Twitter at Booked Podcast. If you'd like the opportunity to ask our future author interviews questions, we do post requests on Facebook. So if you go to Facebook.com slash Booked Podcast and you like us, uh, the next time that we're doing an interview and we're asking for questions, it'll show up right, right in your feed, and you can uh, you can send us a question to give to an author. So that's pretty cool. You can also contact us at bookedpodcast@gmail.com and go to our website bookedpodcast.com. That wraps it up for another booked interview episode. I'm Livia Snedden, and I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading. <laughs> <laughs>